0: Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gulick Jr. That is me, with me as always, with prescription sunglasses, fully in tow, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Nothing much, Mike. Happy to see you guys. Uh, you know, I'm in moving mode. You're in you're in moving mode here. You guys, by the way, uh, is my father, Mike Golick, senior co-host of Golick and Smedy, who is with us as well on the podcast today and in person. Dad and I uh, are getting to go hang out as we're recording this uh, and do something to Chili's later today. So you're in town in Los Angeles with me, and you are uh, the second person in our family to see my apartment out here. Yes, Sydney, so
1: welcome. Sydney was the first, right?
0: Yes, City yeah. was the first when she came out here for the Harry Styles concert, so you are now second. I'll use this what line
1: you- again. Um, I would have thought I would have been met with more and better food Mike threw some yeah. wheat thins and a bottle of water at me when I wanted a snack.
0: My brother in Christ, you are lucky I went to the grocery store yesterday. This is robust what we've got in comparison to wow. my normal living. Wow. Uh, i, I say, ne- by the time.
1: Yeah.
2: When I saw his apartment, it was the June or July, Mike. Uh, the best thing he had for me was that uh, that powder creamer that you get at 7-Eleven. Yeah. That,
0: that's what he was working with. I didn't tell you to snort that.
1: I. <laughs> I did see some lunch meat and cheese in there.
0: Yeah, I got sandwich meat in yeah, there. I yeah. got regular meat in the you freezer. Didn't... I got stuff. Yeah,
1: you just didn't bring it out for me. You just gave me a oh, box yeah, of wheat thins and f- a bottle of water. No,
0: I gave you options in the pantry, and you chose wheat thins. There well, was well, bread in there to make sandwich. There was peanut butter and lunch meat, and I know you love f- peanut butter sandwiches.
1: You, you know what happened is oh, you didn't offer to make me anything. You're the host. You should sure, offer to make you me something. Well, can, 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 dad, could I something? make
2: you a lunch? S- uh, speaking, speaking of dad, as a dad, Mister G. Senior, how, what do you think of the place? What do you think of the place?
1: Oh, the place is nice. Listen, I had a—I mean, it's a one-bedroom, so it's not overly large. But when I was with the Oilers before uh, I got married, I stayed in an efficiency suite out there, that was—that mm. was probably half the size of Mike's place here. Uh, so I, I know about living in small, and, and compared to that, this is this is a mansion. So it, it, you know what? It suits all his needs outside of the shower, which is a little small. It's a little difficult. A little tight. Uh, but other than that, it's a great location, obviously, right by the oh, man. the ocean and right by the beach. So can't beat it. You know, again, outside of the lack of a meal when I got here, everything's been great.
0: Yeah, so it's been nonstop complaining basically since Dad got That's here is what true. I want to make abundantly clear <laughs> to everybody here. And yet, despite that, we have a great show for you guys today. Dad is here. We have warring top fives in the NFL. We have got big news uh, on the WNBA front as well as an NFL schedule to look ahead and to digest as well, Um, but this is kind of a rarity in the NFL season where I feel like Major League Baseball gives us anything interesting enough to comment on, and Major League Baseball we've talked some about the signings that have gone on, Aaron Judge re-signing with the New York Yankees, all of the typoed tweets about Arson Judge and the fun that we had along the way. But in the wake of that, we had no room to breathe before Xander Bogarts got signed by the Padres to an 11-year, $280 million deal. And this is more a wellness check. Has anyone seen Jared Carabas? The last I saw from him, host of Baseball is Dead and our compatriot here at DraftKings, he was smoking five cigarettes at once on a balcony working through his emotions on (laughs) this. Uh, because the Red Sox just appear content but, to let every one of their face of the franchise type players walk out the door.
2: Yeah. But I just figured, uh, when cookie bets left, you can't hurt them anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like the, the wounds is still so fresh.
0: That was the one that really, I think, rocked the foundation of that, and that he went on the left coast and went out to a team that's perennially a World Series contender every year, but 11 years and $280 million, which I get, Dad, people pointing out he's 30. This deal will take him into his 40s, like most Major League Baseball contracts, that now we've seen a bunch of them, and this... Team of the Padres, certainly no stranger to it. They have now tied the Yankees for the most deals north of $250 million. They've got all those guys signed right now between Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, and Manny Machado prior to this. But this kind of deal. The criticism largely seems to be for the Red Sox. You could have had him for cheaper than this before if you would have just been proactive and got him signed.
1: Well, yeah, so kudos to the Padres for this. It's kind of like the Phillies' way of doing business, right? The Phillies are paying a multitude of of players a ton of money as well and just build, just build through that. I'm not a fan, though. We started seeing some of these deals for 25-, 26-year-olds, which I understand a lot more. But when you give a 30-year-old an 11-year deal – Basically half of that is going to be for shit, right? Yeah. I mean, you're you're basically playing the first half of that. Wait, is
2: is, is, it, is that the same for baseball though?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. No, I think well when you give a 30-year-old an 11-year deal, that 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 that, that that's what I mean. Now now we're going to 41, you're probably going 36, yeah. 37. To where it can be good, and then it's maybe even earlier before it falls off. That's why when I see these deals for 24, 25, 26 year olds, I'm much happier to see it because you're going to get more bang for your buck, you know, giving a guy a 10 year deal who's 25 as opposed to an 11 year deal who's 30, where you're just going to end up eating a lot of that. Yeah, I, I will say though,
0: this goes to a conversation that I saw being had on the NFL's internet about the value of one championship because yes. we had someone from Pro mm. Football talk pooh-poohing the Rams' decision to trade for Matthew Stafford, even though it netted them a Super Bowl. And I saw people pose this idea of, well, would you like to win one Super Bowl and then finish and last for the next nine years? Just talking about aggressive moves that we've seen, that fuck-them-picks mentality that's become prevalent among some circles in the NFL, this is essentially that idea. They're not worried about what's going to happen in 11 years. This Padres team has decided yep. they want to be relevant. They're willing to spend bottomless sums of money on acquiring in some cases, young talent in the prime of their career. And in cases like this, Xander Bar- Bogarts, who's got some of those years left now because they want to win here in the next three to five years. And as a fan, I don't know what you wouldn't love about oh. that strategy. It's why Red Sox fans are in shambles right now because they believe they could have had this guy for much cheaper and kept him around. And the Padres knew, hey, we're going to have to pay up a little bit to get this guy out here. But um, they knew they had the money to spend because they had tried to get into the Trey Turner sweepstakes, and that didn't work out, and he ends up in Philly. And they tried to get in the Aaron Judge sweepstakes, and that didn't work out. He ended up staying in New York. There was a group a while back that became popular on the sneaker internet that basically tried to convince people, if you missed out on a drop, donate that money to charity because you already were ready to spend it. It was money that you mm. had allocated elsewhere, and so just take that money you had ready to go, that 250 bucks you were going to drop on a pair of fours, right. and now all of a sudden put that towards the. charity charitable cause same concept without the charity here is well you are going to spend this money somewhere on one of these guys you're in the stage where you want to be young and interesting and have people look at you and potentially be good and so the Padres just decided fuck it we were going to spend this money anyway we will give it to this guy and we will blow the Red Sox offer out of the water as it sounds like they were almost a hundred million dollars over what the Red Sox were willing to offer isn't that
1: amazing and you're right fans don't care it ain't their money you know so so go for it now they got to be happy with the Padres in what they're doing, because it's just been in a few years they've, they've done this. I mean, you got to go back to, what, 2016, but last time the Red Sox had four players, you know, the power players, the Mookie Betts, the Jackie Bradley Jr., the David Ortiz, and Dustin Petroya. you know, so it, it seems like forever ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but also
0: not that long ago no, you not saw not a lot ago. of those young yeah. guys out there doing but cool guy handshakes in the outfield, and now it's gone.
2: But that's what the Red Sox are living. They're living in the wake of their championship runs.
0: Are they not? They are, but it was also, you know, Heimblum coming over here and deciding to manage a little bit differently and not wanting to go out here and getting into a lot of these bidding wars with other teams necessarily in that way. And for you to now have two guys that looked like face of the franchise type guys, young in their career to walk out of your building... That's a blow, and I get it. You did. You've won a bunch recently, but it doesn't feel like this had to be mutually exclusive where it was you were paying for the sins there. This was just because of some sort of stubbornness or hard-headedness and not wanting to do this deal sooner? I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wonder, too, if the Padres are done or if they're going to bring in more you know, and and, and really, really go for it. (laughs) I
0: I haven't looked into this. At Gojo Show on Twitter, where do the Padres get all this money? there's so much money there's hey, a lot of money they,
2: they say that about everyone in San
0: Diego uh, it's a fair point and La Jolla
2: listen. it's like well, where do people work like where's like, where this money Dr. Seuss did he just like give <laughs> the money to the city <laughs>
0: I will say, speaking of Dr. Seuss, I thought of uh, the children's book when you give a mouse when you give a moose a cookie. When Dad said, "When you give a thirty-year-old an eleven-year deal,"
1: <laughs> I mean, my God! Oh, really? Again, like I said, the fans don't care, and I agree with you. This is about immediate gratification. Yep. But man, but that player got hell long-term gratification right there. Yes, exactly. Mean, because that which a- it
0: sounds like was a big part of it. I think years was another one of the differences yep. with the Red Sox deal and with this one. So there were a few things there, and for the like the Padres, they basically signed a bunch of guys that play the same position it sounds like Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to go play right field now uh, as they shift everyone around this coming year he'll be coming back off that PED suspension and so you're going to be again one of the most interesting teams in baseball it's pretty incredible and for
2: not not only one of the most interesting Mike one of the most fun like they have characters on their roster I think that's important with the shift that's happening in baseball right now like the poor uh, San Francisco Giants that was just like you know the dangling carrot to to set the price for Aaron Judge, like it, it's sad to see, but we weren't. It'd be it'd be hard to just go see one one person like Aaron Judge for the with the Giants, like eh. But somebody
0: another addition to the Padres already All Star well, roster, and you already have like for the fan experience out there. Petco Park is a banger. That place oh, is always goodness. lit up, Beautiful. always a great time. It, it's Gaslight District. It's, well and like listen in that division you've also got to do a lot to stand out because you're going up against the Giants you're going up against the Dodgers and so there's all of that that you've got to contend with at the same time so I just thought it was I mean it was wild to see in the middle of a week in you know week 14 of the NFL season Major League Baseball able to cut through with a signing that really kind of rattled a lot of people part of it is because the Red Sox are one of the principal fan bases and organizations we think of in Major League Baseball and to see their fan Base now in complete disarray. And again, if you've seen Jared Karapas please say something because we're worried about our friend. Because I, I saw he wasn't showering right now. He chain smoked five cigarettes at the same time. This man is going through it.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, the last couple of stars that you know Bogarts being one Mookie Betts before that dealing him to to Los Angeles. So I mean, just just not being able to extend these guys, and hang on to the talent. That's got to be difficult, especially for a town that got so spoiled yeah. to championship parades. I mean, if you are in your teens in Boston, you have been to a number Man. of championship parades in the different sports. And so I'm it's got to be very odd when you see those great players now leaving town for for greener pastures. And by greener, yes, I mean richer, more money.
2: Well, I, I think it, the reason it cut through, Mike, uh, the universal question of the value of a championship is just so interesting. Like, I mean, me being a Ravens fan, uh, the the 2012 championship and 10 years later, you know, still trying to Prove that they're relevant in some way, shape, or form, but I think there is a number and a value on, it, especially for these teams like the Padres. Well, like, what is a hundred million to them? Is that like one adult dollar in the in the Major League Baseball? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and it's also too, like you said, it's the value of a dollar in a vacuum. I've seen most Red Sox fans say, "Yes, of course they wouldn't want to pay this contract amount for this player." But it's not a vacuum. You could have had Xander Bogarts for a lot less if you had been proactive on this, done this deal before last season, any spot along the way. And so that's uh, the... Difficult part to process right now, and to Dad's larger point about the Boston area, you had the Patriots doing very well for a while. That's not so sweet right now. Outside of the defense, you obviously had the Boston Celtics are doing yep, great. Yeah, the Bruins are. right now, twenty-one oh and three gosh. to start the season, yep, so they're away. Well. Uh,
1: hey, and so all things aren't bad. Hey, hey, listen, Boston fans shouldn't be too upset. You got uh, was it Mazataka Yoshida. Five yeah. years and $90 million. Where's Carrabbas talking Ooh, about that yeah. one? Yeah, right? uh, I say, listen, I, that's the
0: thing. I saw him
1: all happy about that before, and they yeah. were
0: celebrating Haim. And then, uh, yeah. and, well, and the hey, other part is, is too, all the reporting out of Boston was, oh, yeah, this deal's getting done with yeah. Xander Bogart. Yep, yep. Oh, we're at the finish line. Right. Oh, it's any time now. And then the Padres missed out on Eric Judge, and they're like, oh, hey, we got monies. You like monies? We got monies. So, uh, Major League also, Baseball. I have
2: to say. I have to say, Jason Tatum is probably the MVP uh, favorite as well in the NBA. So
0: yeah, I mean, they beat the absolute unholy shit out of the Suns the other night too. That game, they were pulling starters in the middle of the third quarter. So you got plenty of good stuff going on, Boston. No one's ever going to cry that many tears for you.
1: Though I will say, did you see some of the quotes from they asked other other executives around the league about the 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 five year ninety million dollars uh, they gave to the, Yoshida? And here were the replies. Uh, I have nothing to say. Overpay for me too too rich in my opinion. I have no idea. I wish they I wish them and him luck. We thought he wow. was worth less than half of that. I have no words. Those are five or six different okay. executives. <laughs> okay, around the league talking you know about what? that. Maybe pick up a
0: hobby during the summer. <laughs> Boston's a great place to run outside. Uh, there's plenty of activities. Oh, it's an incredibly active city. You're near the water, and you've got your health and all of these other great sports franchises that we talked about. Um, the other, I, I would, I mean, the biggest news in the world of sports today does feel like it came uh, involving Brittany Griner. Yep. Uh yes. After. So long of being, you know, held, you know, improperly in Russia for over what 250 days, Brittany Griner now back home. She was wrongfully detained for almost 10 months as a Russian prisoner and is now being brought back home in a prisoner swap uh, during a very tense time, obviously for the United States for everyone with Russia during their war with Ukraine but Brittany Griner now coming back home and just on a base level. I saw Chenea Gwumake, obviously, friend and former partner on the radio, the WNBA, celebrating this monumental occasion for someone who they all worked really hard to keep at the top of conversation and keep at the forefront of all this. But even lately, as we had heard so many different things along the way about the possibility of this happening, the timing of this happening, the fact that it is a legitimate geopolitical conflict, the fact that it has now ended and she is back home is a cause for celebration even without any of the talk of the complicated nature of prison, prisoner swaps in general at this kind of level. Yeah,
1: this again, the, the swap for the Russian arms dealer, Victor Bout, once nicknamed the merchant of death. It was a one-for-one one swap out there and and you know uh, we know we say wrongfully detained another day in Russia
0: you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right. which is I'd say sham sham trials people being wrongfully detained yeah they, 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 they certainly the don't they
1: certainly don't think that way uh, over there but we certainly can and, and everybody talking about the fact that Paul Whelan, who has been over there, you know, a lot, a lot longer. Um, yeah, since
0: 2000, uh, or since 2000, Paul Whelan, who is a former, former marine, marine yeah. who was again over there wrongfully detained on sham espionage charges and so the situation's different there his family did comment on this situation saying they were so glad for Brittany Reiner's release said that the Biden administration made the right decision to bring Miss Griner home and to make a deal that was possible rather than waiting for one that wasn't going to happen meaning one that would involve both prisoners at once and so that family while they were disappointed shared the same sentiment which is an American coming back home in an like this is a net positive for everyone. Yeah,
1: if, if the choices were both aren't coming home, only one is coming home or nobody's coming home, I, I'm sure we're all happy. And even the Wayland family said, we're happy that someone is coming home, even though it's not Paul yet at this point. And, and listen, uh, people are diving into this thing all over Twitter. I don't know the politics enough of this, of people saying, oh, it's a basket player for an arms dealer and, you know, diving into every sector of this I'm happy someone came home. I I, I take the attitude of the Wayland family that says, because, again, I don't know the intricacies of this, but what it doesn't seem like the U.S. had was a lot of leverage in in, in trying to work something out. So if you're going to get somebody home, can get at least one of them home, Do that, and that's what was accomplished.
0: I would encourage everyone to do a lot of reading and a lot less talking right now. The starting point is we are happy that Brittany Griner is reunited with her family, reunited with her teammates, reunited with the people that love her. She got expedited back here within 24 hours. A lot of what's going to happen after this is going to be private by the wishes of her and her family, which is great, and we support. What you don't want to do is be diving in the deep end because... As the saying goes, every day there is a main character on Twitter. And the goal is to not be mm. the main character. And Micah Parsons yep. found out what that was like, the star pass rusher for the Dallas Cowboys, when he decided to go out there and fire from the hip early in the morning and learned very quickly how bad that that can go. Tweeting, essentially quote tweeting this and first expressing a bit of outrage that they brought her home and not the Marine at right. the same time, quote tweeted and then deleted a tweet uh, of Joe Biden announcing that Brittany Griner was coming home saying, I'm still not going to vote for you uh, before. For issuing a bunch of apology tweets basically saying I spoke without knowing yeah. I've learned a lot here all the usual things that are a part of the apology when you f around and find out yeah
1: you, you can hit send awfully quick and then you know then the uh-oh happens and when all of a sudden you start deleting and apologizing you realize you maybe did it, did it a little soon as I'll continue to say I don't know what time. I'm still reading about this, but I will say I'm glad somebody came this way and was able to, to come home. I'll read more about it. I, I hope Paul Whalen can get home as well at some point. Uh, as again, I, again, I will continue to do more research into this. But but I am happy we finally got someone back.
0: To, to, to do Micah justice on the apology front, he said, quote, I just spoke to some people I respect and trust. I should have been more educated on the topic and not tweeted out of emotion for my family and others who have served. For that, I apologize. Also, if what I'm told about the attempts to bring retired Marine Paul Whalen home are true, then the best outcome was accomplished. I pray Mr. Whalen comes home, but I am extremely happy for Brittany and her family. I am not too prideful to admit when I have made a mistake.
1: Yeah, good for him. To do that, because we know a lot of people out there that I've read on Twitter will never admit they're wrong about anything. And a lot of people (laughs) who are
0: treating this like they can plug it into the NBA trade machine and assess value in a vacuum the way that you would for something going on over here. And I can assure you, that ain't going to end up the way you think it is. And you're not going to sound as smart as you think
2: you do. I think if you just search through those people's timeline, they're the same people that were arguing that she deserved to be over there for... An injustice and they and they had no problem with the injustice of an American citizen being wrongfully detained in a country that was starting a conflict that became a war with Ukraine. Like that's how long uh, Brittany Griner has been in Russia.
0: Yeah, the original charges, for anyone that was unfamiliar, Brittany Griner was detained for having cartridges of hashish oil in her bag when she was traveling uh, to or from Russia, and they were found there. Um, but again, that was the state department that determined her to be wrongfully detained and what we know about, what we all learned about through that process. Cause like you said, it's been a long process where we have been educated by people that know people that are more <laughs> associated with matters of this geopolitical matters than any of us are that just happened to come in and help us because this is a sports story that crossed into something much larger at that time. And so, uh, again, it's, One of those situations where, for a lot of us, it was a reminder of there is a certain depth that we all have in covering the things that happened in the day-to-day in sports. And that branches out into a lot of other things. We've seen in sports right now, I mean, what we've got going on with Daniel Snyder and being investigated by the State Department and all of these different things that we can get into with that, that has become such a regular part of our sports diet because of him. What we have seen in so many of the crimes committed off the field by players, by coaches, by people in this, that we've got – we don't have a lot of reps at this. Even those things that we have comparatively fewer reps at talking about and are always relying on the knowledge of others – We got very few reps at geopolitical prisoner swap conflict, and we all need to kind of remember that. In in
1: all honesty, listen, I've been doing radio and TV for a lot of years, and I think where it really started to the crossover from the sports world to the real world and the political world was probably Colin Kaepernick. I see, yeah, at the height of it, yes. Because I was certainly one in all my years that I will will never talk politics on the air. I have no reason to. People don't care what my politics are. And quite honestly, I don't care what other people's politics are, okay? I study what I want to study and make my decisions based on that. So I would never want sports to delve into that. But we have seen time and time again where it has, you know, and you, and you have to talk about it because the two have intertwined quite a bit uh, since, since Colin Kaepernick.
2: And what we've gathered from Brittany Griner's situation via headlines is – Someone's coming back home before the holidays who, who was wrongfully detained and, and we're just well, thankful in a way and in, in, in a sense of like in this time where we're in the World Cup and the U.S. as a whole is trying to uh, we can all get behind one cause like everyone was happy and trying to celebrate that we woke up to news that Brittany Griner was coming home and then like you said Micah Parsons d- decided to be a main character today.
0: It. it. Uh, again, was over there for almost 10 months. By the end, had been moved to a work camp. It was... Eventually, when Brittany Griner has time to go and be with her family and process all this I'd imagine at some point there is going to be a conversation that she has about what that experience was like maybe that day never comes maybe this is something she wants to shove so far in the past but I think that will be a very illuminating day for a lot of the bad actors who have come out and tried to use this moment as a political po- conversation to further their own ends all the things that we usually see from people you know bot Twitter all those places that come and want to try and make this thing and turn it into a larger conversation about something it isn't
1: but uh, two things first again she admitted she possessed the canisters but had no criminal intent and their presence in the luggage due to hasty packing my, my thought is, man, don't break a law in another country. <laughs> well,
0: I said, and honestly,
1: that was, I think, the tenor
0: for a lot of people when we saw the World Cup. I remember seeing a story where Grant Wall was over at the World right. Cup in Qatar and was ran into an issue with police. He was wearing a shirt that was supportive of the LGBTQ plus community, right. which obviously is as something we've talked about a lot with the World Cup in that country, is a very unwelcome group there and is persecuted there in so many ways. And Granton trying to make a point, wrote about that whole experience. And there were a lot of us over here going, we've kind of seen how badly this can go. And yeah. I understand the argument and the point that you're trying to make and further about the way that disadvantaged communities are treated in that country and why we shouldn't be doing business right. there yeah. and why a World Cup shouldn't be there. But we've also seen how poorly this can go and how quickly right. your freedom can be jeopardized in a very real way. And while to some extent it's admirable, it's also like, all right, we have a very recent example of how sure bad do. this can go and how many lives that this can affect. Why would you want to put yourself into that situation? And so I'm sure, again, the WNBA players have been going and playing in Russia for a long time. Yes, it well-documented. Yeah. The oligarchs there, they pay big, big money, money. Yeah. to go out there. Sports washing is something we've we've talked about a lot with live golf that's always been a big part over there but for WNBA players who have comparatively fewer lucrative opportunities the recent CBA and the WNBA has gone a longer way in compensating these women the way that they deserve for the job that they're doing but for a long time you weren't making enough money in the W to be professional full time and so these players had to go overseas to certain places and I'm sure for a long time traveling into those places has been pretty comfortable for women's basketball players that are rocks over there they love women's basketball in that part of the country the people that are paying out all that money but when this happens right around the time where there's a war right around the time where all of a sudden the u.s and russia are once again at odds you find yourself at this crossroads that makes that a very bad time to maybe be traveling like you always had leading up till that point or just you know being forgetful or doing something that yeah is against a law in that country
1: and the second thing i was going to say is somebody's getting that interview I wonder who it's gonna Man. be. Who, who's somebody's getting that interview? That sit down with Brittany Griner. Well, that's the sure. thing.
2: I, I'm not trying to minimize minimalize what she went through, but that's my head was like somebody's getting that book deal. Like I think there's a there's a reality to like you said, uh, Mr. G. Like we there was no leverage there. No. So like the, the, this was a huge win because in this uh, us putting on our little political hats like in the time of war she became a a, a chess piece or a pawn. Come a pawn. She yeah. she yeah, exactly, She's so a, a political pawn and I think there's a lot of people here uh, on the US soil that want to hear what that was like for her.
0: Yeah, I well, and I again I think it'll be eye opening for a lot of people who For them, it was out of sight, out of mind. The women of the W fought so hard to keep her top of mind, especially when they were playing basketball, to make sure that her name was continually said. And for a lot of people, they just knew she was over there. And at some point, while you shouldn't need it, for a lot of people, I think that'll be very instructive about what that actually was like day-to-day for almost 10 months of being wrongfully detained in a foreign country, and especially in a country right now that's embroiled in all the things that we've talked about here. Um, I promise we will get to actual football at some point, but man, the day for off-field stuff, I did want to touch, we mentioned it, what happened with Daniel Snyder Yeah, uh, and the investigation here. Uh, The Washington commander's owner, uh, according to, to a House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform report, permitted and participated in the team's longtime toxic work culture and obstructed a 14th month congressional inquiry by dodging a subpoena, working to dissuade and intimidate witnesses from cooperating, and claiming more than 100 times during his testimony that he could not recall answers to basic questions about his tenure as the owner for this team. And we're not used to, like, at some point, I think for a lot of people, it can become white noise with all these Mm -hmm. legal terms that get thrown around and the fact that you've got big government involved. I just want to set it up like this so we can show exactly what Daniel Snyder is. Because I think at this point, most people, Washington, uh, Washington Commanders fans, NFL fans in general, want this guy gone. Yes. And just the kind of attention that Daniel Snyder has got it. As this committee finishes its work, the NFL is busy conducting a second investigation of Daniel Snyder, this time led by former SEC chairperson Mary Jo White, Securities and Exchange, not Southeastern Conference. Uh, And the Attorney General of Washington, D.C. has sued the team, the NFL, and Goodell on uh, on allegations of financial improprieties related to season ticket deposit. And ESPN reported last month that the U.S. Attorney's Office in the East District of Virginia has also opened up a criminal investigation into financial allegations on the same day that Dan and Tanya Snyder announced they had hired Bank of America to explore potential transactions and all options about selling the team. That is what this person has brought to the table for the NFL in addition to botching enough deals to not be able to get them a new stadium as they play in a shithole, a legitimate shithole that almost cost Jalen Hurts potential weeks last year when a banister (laughs) collapsed near the Eagles star player jogging off the field he's needed to be gone for so long but I don't want this to just be white noise by the wayside this is yet another group of people with time and means to look at the situation that said Daniel Snyder has at every step of the way tried to thwart people looking in at this has been accused of hiring private investigators to tail members of his organization to tail the commissioner of the NFL to find dirt on them and then when pressed on it has was on his yacht trying to dodge a subpoena and then gets in front of the, uh, them and finally has to testify and hits him with an I don't know every chance he gets.
1: Yeah, listen. And this, the tentacles are spreading even further. The congressional reports, citing allegations of harassment and abuse against several other teams, say the NFL has put the interests of league owners ahead of NFL employees, failing to protect them or ensure that victims can speak up without fear of retaliation. So this is growing now to the NFL cover-up. Everybody wants Snyder gone. He's going to sell the team at some point. But, you know, we were talking about this uh, before we started taping this, is the fact that, yeah, other owners... I'm sure have a whole lot of dirt on them as well. Well, and I think that's
0: why Daniel Snyder will be out here pretty soon. Like, forget that at the last round of meetings, Jim Irsay was the owner that finally stood, stood up and said, we need to have a look into this. That Mary Jo White report, we need it out because, remember, the first report that came out, the subject of a lot of this talk, was the NFL and Daniel Snyder's legal people entered into an agreement and were able to work together. And so now all of a sudden that first report never sees the light of day. We get a summary, but we don't get to see the documents and all that. We have all those emails that ended up taking down John Gruden in Las Vegas. And then the other, how many tens of thousands never see the light of day. And it all looked like people that had something to hide. And then you hear all these rumors about Daniel Snyder hiring these PIs to try and get dirt on the commissioner, commissioner, dirt on the other owners. It all seemed like a group of people that wanted to try and minimize the damage on this because they figured others involved had similar dirt. And I think that's exactly why now on the other end, as the fire rises on this and more and more people want this to be done transparently, they're going to carve out that one person and call it the cancer so that the rest of the league can avoid having to reckon with the things you mentioned. And
1: again, Snyder sent a letter to the league, to all his fellow owners saying, I never did that. I was never searching for dirt on you guys. And, and But we know, we know that owner's club is, is a hell of a club, and, and Snyder is going to be one less owner in, in that club very soon. I don't think there's any doubt about it with the garbage that was going on there.
2: I mean, it's such a coveted club that someone who isn't successful in the club has this – Track record, you know what I mean? right. like this is the type of things that you put up with someone who is succeeding, like you hear you know like you would I don't want to throw any names out there, but like like there's no there's no benefit to having him a part of the nFL brand, and he's he's shown that. Legally, at this point in time now, too.
0: Well, and that's why it's always worth pointing out that a lot of this also goes back to they did uh, find that financial impropriety where supposedly there was some misallocated ticket revenue that was being kept from the rest of the league. And once you start messing with the money, even if you think he might not be the only one doing that, when you get called out on that publicly, and then you've got one of the other owners, whether Jim Irsay acted alone or in concert with other owners and he was just the mouthpiece, crap that open to the point where the commissioner said, no, this next report will be released and everyone will get to see it, there's going to be no running from it then. Because how many different places have to tell us the same thing about a guy before all of a sudden we look up and go, yeah, all right, you know what, enough of this is probably close to true for us to go ahead and do something about this guy.
1: You know, and and what's amazing too is what's, and I'm drawing a blank on the Clippers, uh, Sterling.
0: Yeah, Donald Sterling.
1: Sterling, you had Sterling, you had Richardson with the Panthers, where nothing legally ends up happening to them and they sell and make make a ton of money right i mean make a ton of money if if nothing happens to them legally then that that's all they can do. That's they, okay. I'll be out, and, and they're not part of the club anymore. Something I'm sure they enjoy being an owner. Which but for Daniel
0: the, Snyder, someone who was a person who right. was one of the, I think, the youngest owner in the NFL when he took this, was someone who was a fan of the team right. and always prided himself on that. So it is it deeply personal. It, 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 seems it is. To but him.
1: boy, what a parting gift, huh?
0: Well, and th- I think that's <laughs> the thing that people Man. point to is also like. He's not losing out on anything. He's losing out on the ego boost. He's losing out on the ability to get what he wants at every turn, which is what this seemed to be about. Because all along the way, too, he has blamed Bruce Allen for all of the things and is trying to continually push the blame for the toxic workplace culture on him, the former uh, president or uh, football, I forget what Bruce's title specifically was in the organization, but this has been a constant effort for this person to take zero accountability for the things that went on in the organization, to accept what I believe was a $10 billion fine and then go away from the team's day-to-day for a year right. while your wife runs the operations as if you would have no involvement in it and we were supposed to believe that was kind of some kind of punishment. Crazy! It's what they tried to do with Robert Sarver and eventually everyone mm-hmm. looked up and said, no, fuck that. We're not going to do that. This is someone that needs to be gone and we haven't seen that same sort of energy from high-profile players who in this league we know don't necessarily have the same voice uh, as some of their counterparts in the NBA. Certainly on the Commanders, they're devoid of one real big-time face-of-the-league type star. It's not like there's a Patrick Mahomes on the Washington Commanders who could all of a sudden step out. And even if there was, those are things that are always unfairly pushed on players to go and be the ones trying to administer any type of justice in these situations.
1: And just so we understand the money involved in this, Snyder's owned the team since 1999. He paid $800 million for it. He got full control of the franchise in late in 2020 when he bought out the three minority investors. The franchise, according to Forbes, worth $5.6 billion.
0: Oh, and they're talking like I, Jeff Bezos is one of the names that yeah. constantly gets thrown out for new ownerships and for this team in particular, who could easily cut that check?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the latest team that sold was the Broncos for, what, $4.6 So, I mean, yep. it, it's crazy the amount of money these guys but, can make. But Denver is kind of landlocked,
2: right? Like the opportunities that are in that DMV area – I mean, like are probably endless, like anything connected to a water source, right? Like you joked about, Mike, the fact that uh, Taylor Swift is not having a concert uh, in that stadium and like rightfully so, but there's people want to stay away from it. People don't think about that as a lucrative situation. And now I think that he's moved out. I'm more interested in Jason Wright's tenure and what he can do as president uh, for the commanders over there and, and what the future of the franchise could look like.
0: Again, this has been someone and Jason writes another example of that who has and again, this is nothing against Jason who, you know, by all accounts a great guy, a former player, someone who's got a, you know a ton of the acumen that would have you in this job anyway, but people have often looked at that situation as Daniel Snyder just trying to put especially people of color out in front of problems he made and have mm-hmm. them be there to absorb so much of that damage and do damage control for them. And so, yeah, it's one of 32 teams in the most valuable league, sports league in North America. So going to be incredibly valuable. And this, again, house committee report is just another in a long line of reports that we are <laughs> going to continue to get that should it should like it shouldn't have taken this many, but again we know in this boys club, unless you are caught on tape like we had in yeah. uh in that case uh out with the Los Angeles
1: Clippers yeah with Sterling yeah Donald Sterling
0: it, it, it seems to be what it takes so that uh the latest there
1: it, it it really is amazing I mean and again if he can sell on his own but if he were to actually be voted out by his fellow owners it would take 24 of the 32 uh to vote to vote him out and I love the uh. And and you know, a statement always comes out. A statement by the commanders... The Snyders remain committed to the team, all of its employees, and countless fans are putting the best product on the field and continuing the work to set the gold standard for workplaces in the NFL. How do you read it and not just laugh? I mean, I don't know how you read that and (laughs) keep a straight face and say, somebody has to write that. And again, Mike, you always say this, where's the common sense person in the room where that would say, Mm. yeah, that sounds good, but nobody's going to take it seriously. It sounds like a complete... Complete and utter bullshit coming from that organization.
0: And it is all a bunch of people. And they've pointed out time and time again that this franchise, there are very few people working there that were a part of the franchise when so many of these allegations came to light, except for Daniel Snyder. And so all Mm -hmm. of these people that had no connection to it that might mean very well are asked to go out there and make these statements on behalf of someone who we have seen and heard too much of. ...towards this end... ...to possibly believe their intentions. I mean, all of that... All of that is horrific, and the things he is accused from, I mean, the sexual misconduct yep. that he himself was accused of on a private plane, all the allegations on the workplace culture and the way that they were peddling, reportedly in the pictures of cheerleaders right. uh, involved in that organization, all of that is heinous. And then you have the notion that they were trying to put the best product out on the field in the yeah. year where they signed Carson Wentz as their off-season acquisition at quarterback. The nerve. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah, the nerve dare of this you. We're not stupid. Trying to pull that one over our yeah, eyes, Yeah, huh? dear God. <laughs> all
0: right, I, I, I again, don't want that to go, because we shouldn't go nose blind to that situation. No. What's going on and what that person has right. been allowed to get away with for far too long needs to end, and hopefully all of these things together staring down this person who's already hired a bank are enough to get him the hell out of the paint. Um, I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. All right, let's talk about some of what's going to go on here this weekend in the NFL because – I think as we look at the games coming up this weekend, and Dad, you're going to be on the call uh, Sunday Night Football with Westwood One.
1: Miami at the
0: Chargers. Yes, I am. Out in SoFi. Which, fantastic quarterback matchup of two of the most – Talked about quarterbacks in the NFL between Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa based on ability, record, how we you know judge and grade quarterbacks in the NFL and in this league. It's fascinating.
1: I, I'm amazed you have Justin Herbert is because is this a battle of these guys to say who is better from that draft? Yep. Well, I would say right now they're, they're both Ooh. in their own way. Her, Justin Herbert's about to break every record of three years into the league of what you can do from yep. touchdowns to yardage, and Tua. I mean, we all kind of scoffed at Tyreek Hill when he said, oh, he's the most accurate quarterback, Tua, there is in the league. And we're like, wait a minute, you just came from the homes, man. What, what, what are you talking about? Tua's having a monster season. So, quite honestly, you could say they both have won, right, at this point. Now, Miami's doing better as a team yep. right now. Um, but you could say both these quarterbacks have won, and I think we could both easily say, Herbert, we knew, Tua is the future quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. That was a question to be answered between, like, Miami and Philadelphia, right? Is is, were Jalen Hurts and and Tua going to be the future quarterbacks? And I remember saying when these quarterbacks were coming out, including Justin Fields, as top quarterbacks, I remember saying, name me the last great quarterback that played in the NFL coming from Alabama or Ohio State. And I'm still waiting, right? And now you truly have them. Jalen Hurts, Tua, uh, Justin Fields. I mean, once they put a team around that guy, he's got to throw better from the pocket still. But, I mean, he is growing leaps and bounds. So now you are getting some Alabama and Ohio State quarterbacks who are producing well now in the NFL. Well,
2: as much as I want to give Tua credit, there was a time where they were talking about trading Tua – for Deshaun Watson yep. and, and talking about a franchise that, that was that time was in, November in of last year yes. by the way yes, like yes. I, that is I, how far I, we
0: have come so fast
2: but bet- between November of last year and now too there's been so many negative headlines surrounding the Miami Dolphins and how they've made, done business especially at the top and all that convoluting with Tom Brady and Sean Payton and all that stuff like that through all of it to end up with Mike McDaniels uh, Mike McDaniel, who ha- is the Tua whisperer, apparently like it, it. seems like they're making a lot of smart football decisions.
0: They are, and I think that's the thing I ultimately point to in this situation is, and I've seen like Acho and a lot of people trying to make this a quarterback as you know, quarterback wins are a stat conversation, mm. which I just fundamentally do not oh, agree yeah, with me because too. I'm with you. We can praise Tua of vailoa while also admitting just what Brandon brought up there. Mike McDaniel's been a revelation for that team right now. He came in in a situation where the formal coach is suing the NFL, and a lot of people sympathize with Brian Flores. And with that as the backdrop, he has come in and reinstilled confidence in a quarterback that heard, we talked about, was looking in the mirror and asking, do I suck? They brought in Tyreek Hill. They had already drafted Jalen Waddell. They brought over Teron Armstead and put a shot of life into this offensive line. And on and on down the list, they finally gave Tua the environment to succeed. And I don't know how many times we have to see it before, we don't need to use that as a negative, but we need to understand that there are very few quarterbacks that are capable of going out and lifting an organization out of a, you know objective you know football poverty on their own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're starting to realize with Justin Herbert is between the offensive coordinator at that team that constantly comes under fire. I mean, we're even seeing Brandon Staley starting yeah. to get some questions. The amount of Sean Payton to Los Angeles Chargers headlines that trend while they're in games Ooh. as that team once again finds its way into... Being one of the most injured in football. Having their wide receivers on and off the field with injury at different times. Their offensive line, again, Justin Herbert is a freakish talent. So much more physically talented than Tua Tungavailoa. Yes, yes. And he is in an Mm. environment where, yes, Mike Williams went healthy and on the field. Keenan Allen went healthy and on the field. Austin Eckler in that backfield are great. But when that's not always the case and you've got an offense that you don't believe gives them the opportunities to succeed the way Mike McDaniel does for Tua in Miami, it's hard to look at that and just blame it all on Justin Herbert being worse than Tua Tunga-Vailoa.
1: is amazing how we, we put it all on the quarterback because we've seen a Peyton Manning, we've seen an Aaron Rodgers lift teams that don't have great wide receivers at times, right? So people see that and they're like, well, if you're a great quarterback, that's what you can do. I don't want to hear in Miami that they don't have a great wide receiver. Tua should be able to get it done. I don't want to hear at, at other places that seem to be the norm when, when it, quite honestly, the norm is more have a great quarterback, but build around them. I mean, give them some weapons and see what they can do. And you see Tua – I think Tua gets a little more affected mentally than than some other quarterbacks because you saw his his play after the trade deadline – When they knew Deshaun Watson wasn't going to be a conversation anymore, you saw what Miami was doing at the end of the year. They were playing well, and Tua was playing well. He didn't have that hanging over his head anymore. And then Mike McDaniel comes in, and Tua is still questioning his own ability. So Mike McDaniel gets a 700-play reel for him to look at that says, no, no, no. Dude, you're good. You're good, and we're gonna build a team around you. It, I think too many people try and make it sound like if you build a team around the quarterback, isn't as good because you had to give him weapons. Well, shit, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, build the team up, give some. Wait till if Chicago ever does it, gives yeah. Justin Fields I mean, dude, some weapons.
2: Let's let's not forget Joe Burrow's first year without Jamar Chase. Well, say, not that he wasn't good, but he wasn't the Joe Burrow that was at LSU.
0: Well, and he all and like he also got hurt that yep, year because yep. they couldn't block Could've for him. Protect him. And you're right; he's got two legitimate number one wide receivers, even when he didn't have an offense. Now, Joe Burrow has come the closest of anyone we've seen recently of being able to make true chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? But even think back to Patrick Mahomes and the environment that he walked into in Kansas City and how healthy that was. He was a first rounder who did not have to start right away. He also had the benefit of Andy Reid's coaching and Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy before him, and all of these people that were there to put competent weapons around him to have quality players around him he walked to an incredibly healthy environment right. when he got over there and now we're at the point where they can make decisions because they know he can overcome it tom brady coming in as a late round pick and a patriots team that was defined by defense ben roethlisberger coming into the same environment at pittsburgh there are a lot more of those quarterbacks that are great that have to come in an environment where they're not expected to be the guy doing it all by themselves, the way like a Trevor Lawrence is right now in Jacksonville.
1: Look at a Josh Allen, who we love Josh Allen, but sure as hell picked up when Stephon Diggs came there. Right! I mean, give the man you know some help out there, and boy, look what they can do. I think it just it just makes it even a stronger case of what a great quarterback they they can be. And I get it, not having no no known wide receivers, and Peyton Manning still throwing for a ton of yards, or no first round wide receiver picks for for Aaron Rodgers yet, he still makes it happen. I get it. But man, I still think, you know, you can't just rely on that and say, oh, you should be great no matter what. It doesn't matter who's around you. Bullshit, man. Let's 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 get some really good players around you. And to talk, bring it back to Herbert. I don't
2: think he would be at this position where he's about to break these records. If it wasn't for Keenan Allen, one of the most disrespected wide receivers yeah. are like underutilized or not under, under respected. And then, you know, it just he, there's a lot of chunk yards over there that he's been dealing with since he got to the Chargers.
0: They, they have been, that have been created, I think, in a lot of people's mind in spite of the plays that have been called at certain times. And again, that's a haunted house. That is a team that is every year, even as they've drafted Rashawn Slater, Zion from Boston College this year, these guys just fortify the offensive line, they all end up hurt. The defense ends up hurt. J.C. Jackson that they trade for was playing badly and then got hurt. On and on down the list, it just seems to be one thing after another that befalls this team. Their coach goes from being one of the most aggressive, for you know, in-game decision-makers in the NFL last year to making decisions like a defensive coach this year. And so all of that consistency is going to affect winning because winning is complicated. And while quarterbacks have a huge effect on winning because they get the ball every play and because they have an outsized importance on the team, it doesn't mean that they are immune to all of the other things that are a part of an organization and what goes into that. The
1: one thing you do see is some quarterbacks, you see a big disparity between the leading receiver and everybody else. Even in Miami, the two, Waddle and what Waddle and yeah. Tyree Killer doing. Here's where, you know, I just talked about, you know, a Peyton Manning or an Aaron Rodgers. Justin Herbert in prepping for this game and I just pulled it up to make sure I had it right and looking at the notes I had, they're the only team with five receivers over 400 yards receiving. And you know one of them isn't? Wow. One of them isn't Keenan Allen because he was injured. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. the likes of mm-hmm. Joshua Palmer and Austin Eckler and Mike Williams and DeAndre Carter and Gerald Everett. Those are the five who we know Mike Williams really well and Eckler. Eckler reminds me of, again, a Marshall Falk of running out of the backfield yeah. and what a, what a weapon right. he is splitting out of the backfield and catching the ball out of the backfield. But Herbert is spreading the ball around. When that isn't that indicative
2: of the difference of talent between Herbert and Tua, as good as Tua has been, just like naturally, I feel like Herbert just he he, he gets excited about fitting things into the windows.
0: Well, I listen. I I think. What's indicative about that is just when you watch them, right, you see the inherent disparity of physical gifts. Absolutely, There is no denying those two things. As a runner, the arm talent, all the above. We talked to Nate Tice before the season, and he said, Justin Herbert is a football decision-making robot. You can watch him speed processing in real time, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing to see here. There are times where he needs to take more risk. There are times when this offense needs to take more risk. But again, it's more complicated than just one quarterback is winning and the other is isn't in a level that we want right now and that's how we're going to judge them and have this referendum be on their place in the league from the same draft class um outside of that game The other thing that really stood out to me going into this weekend, and we'll get to this in the context of we do uh, six thick picks on here. Uh, I usually do three college, three pro picks. Brandon has two stocking stuffers on here (laughs) uh, this week because there is only in college football the Army-Navy game coming up this weekend, which is, you know, we can get to that here in a second. Um, So I'll have five NFL picks, uh, but one of them, very interesting. The Vikings going on the road against the Lions are two-point dogs. Isn't this amazing? Well, mm. And remember the last time on Dragon Ball Z when we had this, when they were dogs against the Cowboys and got, got
1: boat worked. Raced. worked. I, I still think it, there's there's many people, and I and i I think I still may be one of them that don't buy in. As far as they have a record that shows you're one of the best in the NFC, but do I think they are? I, I put Philly ahead of them. I put Dallas ahead of them. Hell, I certainly had San Francisco ahead of them, and I still may even with Brock Purdy, a quarterback, because of the because of the talent they have on offense, the depth, and how great their defense is. You talk about the other teams I mentioned. Dallas has an excellent defense. Philly an excellent defense. Statistically, San Francisco right up there at the top of a defense. Minnesota ain't that. No, Minnesota doesn't have that on defense. And a great defense will keep you in every single they, game. And they've
0: got quality parts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like that. Yeah. Neil Hunter, right. Zadarius Smith, they've got yep. good pass rushers. Harrison Smith continues to just pick <laughs> the ball off at a high <laughs> level. Pat mean. Peterson is having an absolute throwback season for him, physical yes. ability wise, when he's not slandering Kyler Murray on podcasts. Yeah. But. <laughs> Uh, Dad, to your point about this team too. I saw Mina Kimes pull this stat from football outsiders, DVOA is like their efficiency ranking for for yeah. la- for a, a simplified way of putting it out there. I look at all
1: those letters and I keep wanting to text you and say what the hell does this mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: defense adjusted value over average. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. you know, it's adju- uh. it's it's adju- it's adjusting for situations. So, yeah. down in and down out based on down in distance based on time left in the game based on score, what's considered a win on that play, right? So the same way on first down, when you gain four yards, that's considered a successful play when we're talking right. about stuff like efficiency. On third and one, if you gain one yard, that's a successful play. It's measuring the game with more specific context we're, than just we, chunk yards. Weren't we
1: always doing that? Didn't we from day one think if you gain four yards on first down, it was good?
0: We did, but the way... That, oh, we, <laughs> I'm we, sorry. We, I just... Oh, no, no, you're right. Yeah. But the way, that average, met, the way that we measured it with statistics where a lot of times we were just doing bulk counting stats when we measured offense it was well how many yards have you gained overall ignoring the fact that you may have gained a bunch of those yards in garbage time when the game was out of reach right that you may have been picking up a ton of yards because you're facing third and 18s and you're gaining 15 yards on that backed up in your own territory this just provides context for all those and then rates teams accordingly and so to that end offensively detroit ranks ninth in offensive dvoa minnesota is 18th defensively detroit is 19th and we don't think of good defense when we think of detroit at least especially not early in the season minnesota's 18th they're one spot ahead of them so to your point Hmm. they have not been as productive on the top end and football outsiders uh, talked about this before Big penalty disparity between what's called against them and what's called against other teams. Um, big disparity as far as turnovers. They've been great at taking the ball away. And so I think we look at that because this Lions offense is a
1: fucking buzzsaw. I'm going to tell you what. The the Lions are a team that if you're – because they're not obviously not making the playoffs, but if you have them on your schedule in the last few games and you're a playoff, possibly a playoff team and need it, like after the Vikings, it's the Jets. Yeah. Forget Carolina, and that's really it, because then they play Carolina, the Bears, and the Packers. But the Vikings and the Jets, they can have a real effect. I mean, that's a team you don't want to play. No, They, they, they got nothing to play for, but they're playing for Dan Campbell, and that I, is a team with,
0: where the arrow is going up. I'll tell you what. That offense against that Jets defense next week. Yeah,
1: that's a matchup.
0: Might be one might be the best. I'd have to look and see what next week's schedule looks like, but I'd be willing to venture that may be the best matchup on paper of unit strength versus unit strength because Amon Ross St. Brown has been one of the best receivers in the NFL this season. Jared Goff within an offense that constantly keeps people off balance. (laughs) Jamal Williams has a million touchdowns, and that's in a backfield where DeAndre
1: Swift, who is a physical freak show, also lives there you do have you do i'm looking at next week's already you have miami and buffalo okay so that's another
0: great offense and defensive matchup So
1: that is a good one uh other than that yeah you're 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 right there's really not a whole lot going on from Uh, great offense a great, great great defense
0: but all that is to say like we're excited about that because the jets front four has been sensational they've been demonic when turned loose on opposing teams but for this week, yeah, Daniel Hunter and those Vikings guys—they have a good front there. But this Lions offense is legitimately great. They're yeah, they not are. just like great on a bad team; they are legitimately well, dangerous. Mean,
1: how 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 many weeks into the season they were the leading scoring team in the NFL? They, and they, they traded the away a really yeah, good yeah. tight end
0: inside the division in the middle yeah. of this season, and they it has did. not stopped them at all. But but get is tru- productive
1: for the Vikings in de- in true Detroit fashion as they were number one in the league in scoring one of those weeks, and they got shut out. <laughs> yeah, they didn't put up a point. <laughs> that is all- right. yeah,
0: okay. That is <laughs> yeah. that is also fair. Uh, it is uh, amazing to think about that. And by the way, uh, great point, T.J. Hawkinson revenge game this yep. week, which we have to factor into this
1: time. I, I, I tell you what, one of the things I'm happy about, not to take into side here. Real, Quick, but through the the years, I was doing a show. I've said this before. The NFL trade deadline was just a date, yeah, and it just passed. Mm-hmm. Now, again, whether it's younger GMs and just people understanding the value of it more and more, the trade deadline seeing the players that are productive right out of the gate in the top two have to be what? Christian McCaffrey and TJ Hawkinson, right? Yep. As far as, I mean, going right to their next team and playing right away and being productive right away. I think it just gives an air to – this is these are quality moves you can make, you know, in the beginning of November and have those players be very beneficial to you.
0: Yeah. It's become amazing and we've heard people talk about it being, you know, younger GMs who are willing yeah. to be aggressive. We've seen the way that they've approached picks and things like that, but you're right. It's made the NFL an inherently more interesting yeah, product in ways that we know the league loves. As part of the bottom line on this, um as far as uh picks for this weekend. Uh Oh, no, you not. To that end in the Lions and Vikings game, I like the over in that one. Big on Lions, overs, even still. Uh, what
1: did, do you know? Over-unders
0: at 52, the, okay. where I where I got it on. All these courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, right. yeah. obviously, Papa yes. DK.
1: I would uh, I would take the over on that as well. Yep, tons
0: of offense in that one. Chiefs-Broncos under 44 in that game. That Broncos defense, man. They. I mean, you have to, as someone who is a part of a Philadelphia defense that looked across at the offense, it's sometimes very sideways based on production. Oh, what they've been able to do is remarkable given the circumstances.
1: They they, the the stairs that would go down in our running defense running on the field offense yep. running off what well, we saw and you know with with what's going on yeah. there some some words you know from the defense to uh, to one Russell Wilson and I'm sure there might Ooh. be some more of that going on you'd you'd like it to be you know I, I've always said this as well it's not kumbaya in that locker room all the time and in one side right. is so I mean it's a 180 the defense is great the offense is putrid. And throw that in for the fact that it's Russell Wilson. You finally feel thought you got a quarterback after Peyton Manning, and you went through all those duds. And this could be the biggest by money wise. It is clearly the oh, biggest dud of biggest all. Dud, it's not yeah. not even a question mark.
0: No, it's it's been horrific there. And so, all that being said, Chiefs' offense is great. But we saw last week against Cincinnati, I, I, there is. Yeah. It keeps showing up. Patrick Mahomes is incredible. Yeah. Structurally, they get a big chance. They ran the ball really well. But overall, they lack a true explosive playmaker right now that can dominate, snap in, and snap out. And with the way the Broncos are on defense, their offense ain't going to score shit, even against Kansas nope. City's defense. And so the under seems incredibly in play. Thanks
1: here. to that Denver offense. That was a game I was supposed to do Sunday, but they got flexed out of Sunday night. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. As, <laughs> as, 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 as my brother Jake pointed out in our family's group chat, Think about how bad the Broncos have been, where they flexed arguably the face of the NFL in Patrick Mahomes out of primetime. Patrick Mahomes was going to play in a primetime game, and Denver stunk so bad in the division that was supposed to be the (laughs) god-tier division in football, and it got flexed out of primetime. That is how bad. On paper, going into this year, this
1: looked like it could have been one of the
0: highest-rated games of the season.
1: Again, we said, remember last year, we said going into the season, the NFC West was the best division in football, and they went on to prove it wasn't. And this year, we all said the AFC West was the best division in football, and they've gone on to prove that it isn't, and it's back to the NFC East. Oh God, <laughs> which which is the yeah. best division in football yeah, now? Man, something NFC changed. East and AFC NFC East, Right, both of them. Yep, yeah. the
0: beasts in the East. Um. Other ones in here. uh, San Fran minus three versus Tampa. I understand Brock Purdy is a rookie. Uh, Tampa is big bad. Tampa is horrible. I'm taking San Fran minus three in that game and not thinking. I wouldn't even.
1: I wouldn't even look back on that one. Whether Brock Purdy can help them put up a lot of points or not, that San Francisco defense is going to destroy that Mm. Tampa offense. Mm, Yeah. I mean, everyone's saying, "Oh, maybe is Tampa back?" I mean, look what they did last week. Remember, they came back. They had three points. Three. Before they scored their last two right. touchdowns and win at 17-16, three three points. I've covered them twice this year and it's been horrifically pathetic both times on the offensive side. Yeah, do
0: not pass go. Do not collect $200 uh, at all. All uh, all uh, energy towards San Fran there. Philadelphia minus seven versus the Giants. It seems like we've seen the best of the Giants already this season and yep. this Philly team had their little stretch during the middle of the season where it started to slow down. I think this wagon is fully up and operational and they're going to go out here and get this done by more than a touchdown against New York. I like
1: I like that pick as well. Again, Philly's defense is just playing great now. Daniel Jones, while he's efficient, He's not a throwing-the-ball-out-of-your-mind guy. I think 11 touchdowns no. now. He's not turning the ball over a lot, I think, with four interceptions. Which was his big problem earlier right. in his right. career, especially fumbles. But he, So he's he stopped that a bit, but he's not going to throw for a ton of touchdowns. So it has to be efficient, and they have to live on the running game. And I just like Philly's defense By too the much. way,
0: I saw they put Robert Quinn on IR, the Eagles. I
1: forgot he had been there. He got. He was one of the last trades yeah. that went and on. And he was yeah. one that
0: we thought, all right, building depth for the Super Bowl push here. Like, obviously, being on IR, I think it's, what, four, four weeks? weeks. So
1: he can still come back, back at the end of the year. Which really playoffs. not
0: been a name that's no. gone in and had the impact. No, of anyone quite honestly,
1: would. what's been bigger is Linville Joseph and, and Dominick and Sue because they've been getting hurt up the gut yes. on the run. Yep. So getting those 2D tackles was going to help.
0: Yep, fusion dance between those guys equals one Jordan Davis. That's good math. Um, <laughs> last one because, again, to get to six, we needed five NFL picks this week. This was an interesting one. Uh, Carolina, only a four-point dog on the road against Seattle. Really? S- I I I, something weird about that, and I saw – this is one I fully will give credit to. I'm ripping this from Scott Van Pelt. I saw SVP pick the Panthers on Sports Center. I thought, huh, that might be interesting. I'll rock with SVP on this one. He seems pretty smart. There is no earthly reason that that line should be that close. We know Seattle struggled a little bit last week, but that's a division game, right? Right. And even if the Rams right. are beat to shit, we know that's a division game. We know how haywire that can get. And so this Carolina Panthers team that just traded Baker Mayfield because they've cycled through so many quarterbacks, he didn't want to stick around anymore that feels very odd so i'll go carolina plus four for no other reason than that shouldn't exist to begin with
1: yeah i'm 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 gonna still lean on seattle on that one
0: geno smith i saw him he can get plenty of the treatment that guy still playing out of his damn mind Um, the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And uh, to get to college football before we get to Brandon Stocking Stuffers, uh, Army-Navy. Army plus two and a half uh, versus Navy is going to be my pick on this one here. Both teams, uh, hasn't been a banner season no, for either. No. Navy's dealt with uh, injury along the quarterback line. We saw that pop up when they played Notre Dame. As well for both of these teams um, underperforming based on recent success that they had had, but uh, our buddy Captain Cons uh, from uh, Zero Blog Thirty uh, over a bar stool, good friend. So Cons Army guy. Gonna go with the army on this one plus two and a half. I always you,
1: love to see what, Jersey's finest. Always love to see what uniforms are gonna look like in this game. I mean, you, I I love it. Did and, you see this year? Yes,
0: the army uh, yeah. tank themed uniforms yes. and the navy NASA themed uniforms, the space themed ones. I mean, I, electric. I, I just
1: absolutely love it. And navy and it, NASA. just it's a game. Even if you don't have skin in it, you want to watch. And if you can ever get to it yep. live. We, they would play in Philly when I was playing in Philly, and when we had a, a lot of times when we had a home game, we'd have walkthrough through Saturday morning before that game, mm-hmm. and we would hang around for the beginning of that game, just the pomp and circumstance of just seeing it. And my, you guys obviously know when you play against the Armed Services. I mean, for me, it was always it was always incredible because you were always getting those guys at a hundred percent, no matter what. You could not. You were you were we were all physically more gifted than they were but you you you'd hit them they'd hit you as hard as you can and they pop right back up they're back in the huddle and i mean every single play and and i'll never forget i know you guys did it as well just going over after the game and and saying great game and thank you what you're about to do for all of us because that that was the more important thing it was it was always an honor to to play against them uh usually because we knew we were going to beat them unfortunately we lost yeah that's my sophomore year my first start at notre dame my sophomore year was against Air Force, and we lost on a field goal. Oh, I was like, man. damn. Yeah. And you guys felt the sting of losing to <laughs> yeah, Navy. Notre
0: Dame lost to Navy yes. for the first time in like 40 yes. years, the year before we got there, and then yep. we lost twice to them yep. yeah, in the five yeah. years that we were there. It and what there, you just yeah. described, I always tell people when people you know bitch and complain online about why isn't this, you know like this year when Notre Dame played Navy, I'm like, those first <laughs> five plays... When those dudes come straight downhill and just like kickoff style, throw yeah. themselves into yeah. your chest, and you get up and they're completely unbothered, you realize it is 60 minutes of that shit. They don't ever let up. They're built of something entirely Foot- different.
1: Football practice is is their best part of the day, considering all the right. other shit they got to do to get ready for what they're really going to do. They yeah. got to love going to football practice.
2: I, got, I have two Army anecdotes. Uh, and service academies are the only teams I played against at Notre Dame because, obviously, blowouts. So the first time I got a chance to play was was Army at Yankee Stadium, senior year for me, and or was it junior year? Junior year. I can't remember. It was junior year? Okay, but anyways, I, and I was out there playing and it's the wrong first game to play because like after yes. sitting on the bench for a long time, you get out there and players and like wait a minute, this is the football that's been cut, held for me. This is some bullshit. Like I, I could have been doing this a long time ago. Like this is this is pretty easy. Um, and then outside of that when I took my fifth year at Ball State. I was on the I was on the kickoff. I was too deep on kickoff because you know I got these hands. So I was out there catching shagging balls at the, before the game. And then there was a player that was just doing laps around the field, like just doing laps around the field. We were at Army at West Point, and I look up on the jumbotron and it profiles the center of the game and that's the guy doing lap seven around the field before the game and my fat ass is getting winded shagging punts and kickoff and I'm like oh I'm in for a long day yeah
0: yeah
1: Oh, no, built different. They don't stop. And, listen, that's the first game you play, and it's completely different from like a normal football game when they're just in your knees the entire game. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally
0: different one there. You're absolutely right, though, about the moment after the game because we always had that with them. But I got to go to my – I've only been to one Army-Navy game. It was at the link in Philly, I think, three years ago. And seeing that moment between the academies after the game yes. was legitimately haunting. Everyone stays in the stadium, right. and it is so eerily quiet as they trade and go and stand behind each other mm-hmm. during the school's alma maters. It was one of the most like wow. moving football experiences I've ever had. So to your point, Without if you've yet. ever got the chance to go, it go. was one of the few items Incredible. on my football bucket list. And getting to see that in real life and everyone getting to watch that this weekend is really something special. So uh, those are my six picks brandon's got stocking stuffers you get two of them all december long brandon what do we got for picks this week
2: a little nervous to go to because i quickly got the 500 uh my picks five and five on the season uh this is revenge stockings jacksonville after that close loss jacksonville plus four against tennessee Something about the 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 Trevor Lawrence coming two games removed from his the best game he's ever had. I feel like he's going to tap into that, and then that Doug Peterson Mike Vrabel like man uh, competition there. I love it there. And then other than that, Kansas City uh, minus nine against Denver. I think that's pretty safe. Uh, the reason it got flexed out is because it's not going to be an entertaining entertaining game, and Denver. I can't imagine them actually making it close because Kansas City is coming off that embarrassing loss to the Bengals. Will you go for the
1: Jacksonville straight-up win? Ooh.
2: Yes. Yes. Wow. Usually, usually when I usually usually when I pick usually when I pick the spread like that, I I was like I have to envision an actual win for me to feel comfortable taking the spread. All right, there you go.
1: All right, that's, Brandon. That's good because because it really it really wouldn't affect Tennessee much. On the division, they're like three games ahead. No. So, exactly. It's not gonna really affect them much right. if they lose. Yep,
0: nope. They're they're running and hiding with uh with this one at least right now in that division, although I shouldn't say anything because it is the AFC South. But <laughs> they stink. Yeah, the they got it. It's it's, it's so much bad football. Yeah. Um All right, all that being said, the picks in the book, the haze in the barn for the weekend. There's mm-hmm. only one question left to ask, which is Brandon, do you know what time it is? I
2: do, Mike. You guys, you and Jess and Charlotte yesterday tried to do Jingle Bells. It was bad. It didn't go too well. But Smetty had a good idea with a little Jingle Bell rock action. So I would like to bless people with that today. What a bright time, it's the right time to rock the night away. Jingle Bell time, it's a swell time. To go gliding in the one horse sleigh. Giddy up, jingle horse, pick up your feet. Jingle around the clock. Mix and mingle in the jingling feet.
1: That's
2: the this deck. That. That's the this deck. That. That's
1: the steady third. Wow.
0: Flawless victory.
1: Wow. Yeah, that was really nice. Just actually, it was awful. But, you know. Your effort is is second to none,
0: uncommon. You know what you uh, do is well, you throw okay. yourself into
1: it, and and that's a sign of somebody who's comfortable <laughs> with himself. Wow, see, yeah,
0: a really backhanded compliment. Yes, to it, keep it you going was really backhanded. Season, so. It
1: should have shook your face how hard I backhanded you that compliment.
0: If you agree, did, inside, inside, I, <laughs> I learned to keep a poker face outside. If you want to. <laughs> help or hurt Brandon outside and inside. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review and let him know what a good job he's done. Uh for the holiday seasons this that and thirds, at Gojo Show on Twitter with more suggestions as well. We need help.
2: Hey guys, did you did you guys hear any music during that? Nope. No. That's I thought that was I thought that was missing. I had it I had it queued up. I I, I, I thought you guys heard it and you, I thought you guys were barely we it. I, there yeah. we go. I know I thought you guys had to do the music but you know that that was good. people were like oh that was really good jingle bell,
1: jingle bell, jingle Yeah, bell rock.
2: yeah okay. that's really good okay cutting
0: it off cutting off cutting off okay Credible. sorry sorry all well, right that. That. That the road to hell is paved with good intentions yep. um speaking of that good intentions uh from the NBA another trophy uh, let's get to this has been added to the NBA trophy case the Maurice Podoloff trophy for the NBA's most uh, winningest regular season record will now be awarded uh, by the commissioner of the NBA at the end of the regular season.
1: Why did we feel we needed this?
0: Uh, I have no idea.
1: I guess we'd have to read about who it's named after, and I don't know if there's a... I'm not going to lie. I like it. Did not not know that. Uh, So he was the first commissioner of the NBA.
0: Okay. And the thing that they believe is coming here is that a change might be coming with another trophy. The Podoloff trophy was formerly the league's MVP trophy.
1: Ah. And so now that it's been Mm. moved to
0: this, and we know Adam Silver has been trying to find ways to inventively make the regular season more enticing. There was talk of that mid-season tournament tournament that he wanted to steal from European soccer for so long. And so now doing this, it seems like they are primed to maybe make a change with the MVP trophy. Now, I'm not sure where they would go with the name of that because we know uh, last year for the NBA all All-Star game, the All-Star MVP trophy has been changed to the Kobe Bryant All-Star MVP. So I don't think they're going to go the Kobe Bryant.
1: Where where are we going MVP? That's interesting of where that may go.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm actually not sure and as I'm looking at an ESPN article right now talking about this, they offer no helpful explanation, None. and so I'm not sure I have one either. So
1: every year you get the obviously the top seed that has the best record, now they get it, now they get a trophy. They get another I mean this is
0: truly like it's not okay. quite a participation trophy but it's no, no, close.
1: No, no, because not everybody's getting it. You got to be the top team out. Is that something you strive to get? Well, I mean, this is essentially
0: like a trophy that's given to the Denver Nuggets or the Utah Jazz every year before they lose in the second round of the postseason.
1: How about it? So at least they have a parting gift, huh? Right. Uh, Well...
2: I think of it as hardware to have a, a, a bigger excuse why you can't fire the coach because didn't Dwayne Casey get fired after like having the, the most wins with the Toronto Raptors yes. that season? So like, how it's can like... you fire me? Right. This
0: is one. This is one <laughs> of those sports right where here. obviously seeding matters to an extent, but we've seen the NBA's regular season become less and less impactful on this end. The NBA has a lot of trophies here. Obviously, they changed. I didn't realize they changed the look of the Larry O'Brien and gave it a different base. You've got the Bill Russell NBA Finals. MVP trophy. Um, You've got the Eastern Conference Bob Cousy Trophy Uh and the Western Conference Oscar Robertson Trophy. You've also got the Larry Bird Trophy for the Eastern Conference Finals MVP and the Magic Johnson Trophy for the Western Conference Finals MVP. You have got the Kobe Bryant MVP Award for the NBA All-Star Game. And the league also started issuing division championship trophies, naming the Atlantic Divisions the Nat Sweetwater Clifton Trophy, the Central the Wayne Embry Trophy the Southeast the Earl Lloyd Trophy the Southwest the Willis Reed Trophy the Northwest the Sam Jones Trophy and the Pacific the Chuck Cooper Trophy and this is a reminder that yes the NBA has divisions and no I never remember what they're called never
1: never do I was looking at the last couple of uh, best record last year it was the Phoenix Suns Uh, the year before that it was Uh. Utah and then the year before that it was Milwaukee
0: oh yeah it's a fair uh, point so not always uh, totally in jest here
1: yeah Yeah,
2: I'm just wondering which of those uh, trophies is going to get renamed for the LeBron trophy uh, later down the line. Or maybe a new one uh, for him, like the the most person that lied in a press conference when no one asked them about it. Wow. wow. Also
0: very true, LeBron James, who uh, embellishes his predictions in hindsight uh, on an almost annual (laughs) basis. Um, (laughs) Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code Golit. Only on the DK Horse app. let's get to that Uh, pretty interesting for uh, Notre Dame fans and people who have watched the Notre Dame football broadcast former Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett has emerged as one of the finalists for the Stanford head coaching job, according to ESPN's Pete Thamel. Wow. Uh, Jason Garrett's been working over at NBC, mm-hmm. both on Football Night in America, getting ready in the pregame for Sunday Night Football, right. as well as the color analyst in the Notre Dame broadcast booth alongside Jack Collinsworth that just came together this year. Right. So uh, he's a finalist for that also uh, alongside Sacramento State uh, coach Troy Taylor, but it seems like... This could be something that's potentially realistic. Stanford's a good gig too; great gig.
1: I mean, come I well. Do, I mean,
0: it's a great gig if you like being comfortable in a nice, warm place. Yeah, that maybe doesn't uh, expect you to go out and win like you're in the SEC. What, one of those I, you
1: can win occasionally, right? And then be well, down a little bit I, and then win occasionally. Well, honestly,
0: it's... it's a you know it is a question of what do they expect right, now? Right. Because the run that they just finished, David Shaw is coming off of Jim Harbaugh revitalizing that program right. in a big way. Okay. They were 1-11 and the that- first year that he got there and jump started it. But David Shaw has been I mean, we'll go down as one of the best coaches in Stanford history, if not maybe the best based on what he accomplished during his time and what a force they were for so long during the 2010s. And so I don't want to minimize. David Shaw did an unbelievable job at Stanford that tailed off in recent years. And now in this world of college football that's so driven overtly now as opposed to under the table by the finances, you do wonder where Stanford sees themselves in the pecking order.
2: Yes, but as someone who was recruited heavily by Jim Harbaugh to that one and eleven Stanford team, I wanted to say that Stanford's a great job now that Jim Harbaugh was there. Well, uh, David David Shaw David Shaw
0: deserves a ton because Jim Harbaugh was not there for that long. Well, well, David Shaw was there with him. I understand David (laughs) Shaw was there with him, but I'm saying Jim Harbaugh got that thing going again. David Shaw did the damn thing for a long time after that. I mean, in
1: his first six years, five of those years were double-digit wins. 11-2, 12-2, 11-3, 8-5, 12-2, 10-3. 11 and 2, 12 and 2, 11 and 3, 8 and 5, 12 and 2, 10 and 3. Two,
0: two Rose Bowl wins in there.
1: Then 9 and 5, then a losing record 4 and 8, then this COVID year and then 3 and 9, 3 and 9. The last two years have not been good at all, but the beginning 5 6 years as you mentioned, you know, he was in what, three Rose Bowls, two wins, a Fiesta Bowl. Uh, so yeah, he, he I I thought he did a nice job. It certainly uh. tailed off later.
2: Uh, we have to remember the quarterbacks there as well. Andrew Luck was was quite a force. Uh, and then all yeah. the Hogans and the
0: the ones in the – like there was, there was some talent on those teams. There was some talent on those teams that they got to campus there and got into school there, which is no small feat for anyone yeah. involved. So uh, that would be interesting and would once again open up the Notre Dame football uh, color coordinator or color commentator Color job. commentator
1: job. Yeah. Woo, I'm ready. There I'm you, ready. you go. Listen, <laughs> well, you guys the guys looked at each other. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. Well, if,
0: I, I, if it happens, and right now it's still Jason Garrett's job, and yeah. we, you know, we love that for Jason. Hey, man, hey, hey,
1: exactly right. But if that were to open up again, I sit here and talk about I would love to do that. I would just love to see a Notre Dame. And there's enough former Notre Dame players in the media business right. that that could do that. We've had, we've had what? Uh, USC, a couple of Boston College guys, yeah. a Purdue guy, uh, Jason Garrett, a former head coach. I mean – you know, there, like I said, there's plenty of ND alum out there. Let's, but, let's yeah. start to move move the goalposts that way as an analyst. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I was gonna say because because Jack is there as a, a Notre Dame alum. I'm hoping that they won't think like that that. That count says uh, getting a Notre Dame guy in there.
1: No, he I mean, was a Notre Dame. Well, guy. he was a Notre Dame. I, I was thinking more yeah, of a former, I mean, former yeah. player as an analyst, yes. yeah, ty- ty- type of yes. deal. Yeah, I know true. a lot of people think that the the main guy or the number one guy could be a Brady Quinn, but he is locked down at Fox pretty well there yep, no. with his morning show and with the, the, their their um, college pregame show, which they got uh from ESPN by the bear, huh? Yeah, got that Chris exactly. Crystal Volikka Crystal heading over there. Yeah, oh, good wow. for him. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Good for him. First, Rinaldi, now Felica. Mm-hmm. Man, they're yeah. really picking at the core of the yeah, college game day machine yeah, right are. now. Uh
1: huh. Good. I deal
0: think for they, I think it
2: started a little bit earlier with Colin Cowherd and Skip Bayless, but yeah. But I'm
0: talking. No, I'm talking about college game day. Neither of yeah. those guys were a part oh, of it. Oh yes, so. yes, yeah,
2: yeah, for sure, yeah. yeah.
0: But yeah, um, incredible. Uh, all right, let's get to the third. Uh, this one, I just need to know a, This is more of a question. <laughs> Because my dad sent us this text from Uberfax, and I understand that Uberfax, while old school verified, not new school verified, where you are verified Mm -hmm. for just subscribing to Twitter Blue, they are real verified, put out this tweet. McDonald's had to ultimately get rid of their spoon-shaped coffee stirrers because people kept using them to do cocaine. (laughs) the trend became so widespread <laughs> at least in some cities that a bump was referred to as a mixed spoon a mixed spoon and when you see the pictures of these little things yeah they McSpoon. do look like I like I am not someone who has ever used or currently uses cocaine it looks like a great oh thing my- to do Cocaine. Out we,
1: we've seen enough of the movies where we see those people in the in the, yeah, the spoon. spoon the coke spoon that they have. it does it looks like it and some someone retweeted it and said that the McBump. Oh, bump God. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Now I don't oh. want to get sued by McDonald's. That's yeah. why I'm just asking the question of yeah. I want someone to confirm this is... what Uber Facts is throwing out here and see if there is any possibility. Because if there was any sort of story here, I would watch a four part Netflix documentary. On I would this.
1: too. How the how the McDonald's spoon became a McBump spoon? Yes, because you don't see them anywhere anymore. No, they no, are gone. You, you don't, and and that. That is now, for those that may have experimented, I have never tried cocaine in my life, so I would have zero clue uh, about this. So, yeah, I would would like to actually know if it truly was used for that.
2: It honestly just brings me back to just how – innovative mcdonald's has been this entire time like like they were the first people that had the the shakes for fast food restaurants they were the first people that had the little lids you could just like push the button to see like if it's a coke or a, like they've been leading those little coffee cups that they have now that I, are insulated like do, do you McDonald's? have any, do you have any way to prove that they were the first to do any of those things yes i mean have you seen any documentary on mcdonald's I mean, no like, come on now so are, are, are you, you saying
1: that they invented the McSpoon for the Mcpump? i mean <laughs> i'm saying i'm saying
0: it's like it's like the all those disney easter eggs like mcdonald's has some easter eggs out there <laughs> they do they do by the way the little push down doppers on the top of the drink thing Way better and more innovative technology than we ever give that credit yeah, for. The fact that you can that. identify Thank your you. iced tea or your Diet Coke based on which one of those things is put down, incredible in the 90s. By the
1: way, still don't like it and we just haven't – still don't like the paper straws. I know, man. And I get it. I, I know. Love, I love don't at me. I, I understand. love I get it. it. I understand. They, man, I don't like sock. They updated the
2: straw, but they didn't update the lid. Right, So the lid is still fighting against that paper
0: straw. They need to update the right. lid. The right. liquid is fighting against the yeah. paper straw yeah. when it gets wet. The very thing <laughs> it is there to help with yeah. is no longer getting the job done. So if the fine folks at McDonald's are as innovative as Brandon Newman says, then maybe they can get on something that's an alternative.
2: But right, S- Speaking of the shakes, the thickest straw you'll find in the game is at McDonald's.
0: That is true. Well, that is true that old McFlurry spoon that was also kind of a straw yeah. that thing are you kidding me
2: it can't it mixed the thing and then it just clicked off and then you could take it with you it was it was genius
0: <laughs> oh man what a time to be alive uh <laughs> We hope that this was a time you enjoyed being alive today on this podcast. If it was, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating and a review. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo with Mike Golo Jr. tab. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Golik and Smetty wherever you get your podcasts as well and check them out on that said same YouTube channel. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys Monday. Bye.